This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I will be your host for today's show, and I'm by myself. But that's probably a good thing, because I have plenty to talk about, share with you guys. If you haven't heard, Dwayne Wade signed with the Chicago Bulls, two years, $47.5 million, so i got to talk about that. And I hope I don't turn off some Bulls fans out there, those optimistic ones specifically. But, hey, I'm going to voice my opinion, and if you've been listening to Behind the Pen, thank you all. First of all, but if you've been listening, you kind of understand my standpoint on where the Bulls are at. So, moving on. What else do I have on tap? Guys, thank you for reaching out. I'm going to talk specific MLB teams because you told me to, and I'm going to oblige happily. The Detroit Tigers are going to be on tap for today, as well as the New York Yankees and MLB All-Star Talk. Have to do it. All-Star Games next week's got to do it. Also, if you guys enjoy what we have here, and this is probably the most important part for us, is to become better, we need your help, right? Go to patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast, become a Patreon, and if you can donate a dollar or two each month, that helps us immensely. We grow, we produce better content for you, we're able to do different things, and we also provide exclusive podcasts for you. Sean, Brandon, and I also, you know, we did that podcast for July, and it's I loved it, and I hope you love it too. For those listening who are patrons, we thank you so much. We value your time, and this is to everyone. We value your time. Thank you all for listening. You can listen to us on YouTube, and be sure to subscribe to our channel, Most Valuable Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. Guys, stick right here for everything. We have football, basketball, and speaking of basketball, this free agency period, how about this free agency period? The fast break here with Sean, Dave, and Ricky, they have been all over everything. Fantastic content for all of you. They talk about every move, every signing. Even the Dwayne Wade move is up already. We talked about it. It happened yesterday. They were all over it. And I think they did a great job. So stay right here for everything. We, we got you. But most importantly, keep listening to Behind the Pen because I love hearing the feedback I get from you. And I hope you enjoy my opinions on sports because sports is life, right? All right. Well... So, what do I have on tap? Like I said, I'm going to start with the Dwayne Wade and the Chicago Bulls stuff. Let's get into this Bulls stuff, because I don't want to keep you here all day. Because I could, if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. The Chicago Bulls, where are they going? I think they love to bask in the glow of mediocrity. And that was a specific quote I had from my article that I wrote for MostValuablePodcast.com that you could Check out in the description below. If you can read, that'd be awesome. That'd be great if you could read it because I can't. But let me know what you think. If you disagree, totally understand. Okay? But I'm going to get into this. And I hope I don't turn some Bulls fans off here, especially optimistic ones. Because I I don't think what they're doing, their strategy this offseason, and even this goes back to last year, I don't think this is the right thing to do. I'm I'm speaking of Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade. Those are the two highlights, but overall, I'm going to go back first, okay, to last year's trade deadline, and I bring this up a lot, but it's important because they had a chance, and they saw this coming, guys. After Thibodeau left and brought in a hand-picked coach by this front office, Fred Hoiberg, they saw this coming, and when I mean this is just a total disaster. 
quite frankly, because last year, this team, the Chicago Bulls, were predicted to be a championship contender, championship material, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Halfway through the season, you knew it wasn't going to work. At the very best, they could maybe squeeze into a 7 or an 8 seed and just get bounced. Maybe they could beat Toronto. But at the end of the day, they're not going anywhere further than the second round, at the very most, okay? They had a chance to move Paolo Gasol. Decided not to because Gar Foreman said, the GM of the Bulls said, Paolo Gasol, we believe in him and we think he's going to be a part of our core. Aging center, he's old. And they thought, okay, he's going to stick around. And they had plans of signing him. So they, they hang on to him. There was a deal in place that was talked about, right, with Macklemore and Costa Kufos uh, from, with the Kings. And that didn't pan out. So what happens? They kept their group together. They missed the playoffs. Pau Gasol signs with the San Antonio Spurs. And the Bulls get nothing. I will commend them on this, though. They moved Derrick Rose. And even Jimmy, Jimmy Butler said it himself, which I thought was kind of stupid to say, but he said it nonetheless in an interview. Well, it was either me or me or Derek. It had to be one of us that got moved. Okay, so now Derek's out of here. It's your team now, Mr. Jimmy Butler, Mr. Superstar. Okay, now they they I understand I understand the move completely. They got younger. They got more athletic. That's what Gar Foreman said he wanted to do. And they brought in Robin Lopez, who I like. He's an upgrade over what they had in the past. Not in terms of Powell. I, I'm, I'm sure Powell produces better than Robin Lopez in the end of the day, but where this direction, the team's direction, that's a good move. I like Robin Lopez. I also like who they got in return at point guard, Jerry Grant. Young player, first-round pick, last year's draft, has, has to develop. But if you're going to be into this kind of transition process... That's a that's a player that you like to build on. That's exciting. They also hit on a draft pick, in my opinion. Denzel Washington. Or <laughs> I call him Denzel Washington. You know how many times I've done that? Denzel Valentine. He's not the most athletic guy, which kind of contradicts what Gar said in the past. But he's got some skill, and I think he's going to be a pretty solid NBA player. He fits what Fred Hoiberg wants to do. And what Gar Foreman did was totally restrict... Hoiberg and his offensive philosophy because we all know we we watched enough Bulls basketball to understand what Fred Hoiberg wants to do on offense he wants to push the ball he loves the outside shot loves ball movement and he wants to win in transition keep the ball moving up court defensively I'm going to roll my eyes on that because boy watching them try and guard a ball screen was so pathetic but that's you know in the past sure it'll be better this year But what I'm getting at is the window of opportunity with the team that they were blessed with. And I say blessed because they literally sat there with a 1% chance of landing the best player in in that draft in Derrick Rose. I believe it was 08. And they got him. And that, honestly, in my opinion, may have saved Gar's job. Maybe not, because we all know the loyalty within this organization between Reinsdorf and, you know, Paxson and... Oh, gosh. Ah, man, it's so bad. So they, they, they land Derrick Rose. Now, they had an opportunity to win a title, and unfortunate things happened to their best player. You know, it's in the past now. Thibodeau's gone. You bring in this new head coach with no NBA experience, and they stick with these veteran guys. They don't turn over the roster. They believe that just a quick change in philosophy 
will help this team get to the championship over Hoiberg. Well, that failed. So I was, I think a lot of Bulls fans were ready for a transition process because they were in contention for a long time. But we saw that the window was slowly closing, 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 closing. It's shut. It is absolutely shut. And I think, like I said, Bulls fans were okay with this transition. And I'm not saying the Bulls had to tank because I hate the term tank. But the Bulls had a chance to make smart free agency decisions. They had a chance to move players with value. For example, Pau Gasol. For example, Derrick Rose. They had a chance to do that. That isn't tanking. That is getting younger. That is getting better for the long term. What do you do? They create quick fixes with guys who will sell tickets who are recognizable names. Now these guys have skill. I'm not saying they don't, but they're old. These guys are past their their primes. Honestly, they are. Dwayne Wade still got a game. Absolutely. So much value in Dwayne Wade. It, it really does. But he's a complimentary piece to an actual contender. If your philosophy, you're the Chicago Bulls, and you think the right thing to do right now is to stay relevant in a, in a pretty competitive Eastern Conference now, guys. This, is, this isn't the East that we've known last four or five seasons. There are teams that have gotten better. Absolutely. And they're, they're signing guys like Rajon Rondo. Now, okay, now let me get into this. You have Hoiberg. He has this type of offense, specific offense, run and gun. You bring in a guy in Rajon Rondo who's older than the guy they traded in Derrick Rose, who clashed with his last two head coaches, who was always a, there are always reports of him having some kind of problem within the locker room, to a team that had problems all year trying to play for their new coach, trying to listen to the new coach's philosophy. He, he didn't have, Hoiberg didn't have control of the locker room, guys. And, your so-called leader in Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose, they were they couldn't play together. And then it was left to Taj Gibson to speak to the media all the time. What is the benefit of bringing a guy in Rajon Rondo who, yes, led the league in assists? Yes, I'm so sick of hearing that. I get it. How many, how many assists did he, did he have in garbage time? How many times did he help your fantasy team with all those assists, right? That's that's but a number. I get it. He's a great passer, but he's a ball hawk. He wants the ball a lot, and he has absolutely no defensive value, none at all. And you'll see it. He just doesn't play defense. He doesn't want to. He was maybe in, in 2010 with Boston, 2009, but he is a different player now. He can't shoot. Speaking of shooting, this is the worst starting five in terms of three-point percentage in the history probably of the NBA. Like, it's so terrible. And that's one of the points that Hoiberg wanted to make was outside shooting, right? You look at the two teams that have topped in the NBA who were in the uh, NBA Finals, they both led the league in threes. In Cleveland and, and Golden State, now I know they have specific players, yeah, obviously. But you, you get what I'm saying. I don't understand what Gar Foreman wanted. I thought he was supposed to help his coach. I thought he was supposed to get players to play for him in the system that fits Right? I'm not saying that, you know, a rebuild would take five years because that, that would be ludicrous. They had opportunities to 
gather draft picks, sign free agents, smart signing free agents. And they and they just decided to go for it. Kind of. Kind of go for it. There are there are seven players on the Bulls that can be looked at as potential building blocks. I like Cristiano Felicio. I like Bobby Portis. I like Doug McDermott. I hate Snell. He's terrible. Miritich is a stretch four, but he doesn't even have a position. I, just, I he doesn't. He really doesn't. And there are there are too many questions. There are so many variables to the Chicago Bulls team. And when they signed Dwayne Wade, I just didn't understand it whatsoever. Whatsoever. The value Wade brings, yes, recognizable face, big time. And it's a great story for, for the Bulls marketing team from Chicago. Also, who's going to be the last one introduced in the starting lineup? Because apparently it's Jimmy's team. So is he going to be last? Or are they going to go the PR route and say, from Chicago, Dwayne Wade. You know, is he going to be the last one? That's another another thing that I won't get into. But that's something. There are so many clashing parts and variables here. You have a guy who wants to have, in Hoiberg, wants to have a specific offensive system. They don't have the players to play that specific system. There are personalities in the locker room that you wanted to get rid of last year, but you bring in more. And does this improve this team? Okay, so are they closer to a championship? Technically, yes. Because they went from not making the playoffs to a team that's probably four, five, six, or seven seed. Yeah, I think they can make... Yeah, I I think they're good enough to make the playoffs next year. I'll flat out say it. But with with a guy like Dwayne Wade, it's gotta he's got to stay healthy. You know he's he's going to be out at least seventeen games because that's what he averaged his last five years. And I also I think Ben Gulliver of Sports Illustrated just summed it up almost perfectly. And I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read a quick section of the of the article because I think he just nailed it. Chicago's motivations ultimately seem pretty transparent. To sell a bunch of jerseys, to generate some positive buzz after a disappointing 2015-2016 season, and to buy some time for whatever comes next by squeezing back into the East playoff picture. Even if Wade remains fully healthy and productive and the Bulls accomplish all three of their goals, this signing represents a philosophical course correction that undercuts Hoiberg and it meaningfully delays Chicago's ability to build a roster capable of sustained success throughout Butler's prime. And I think that's very important. Very important. Even though the short-term benefits of adding weight are real, the Bulls would have been better off taking their loss in free agency rather than plugging forward on this road to nowhere. Boom. Couldn't have said it better myself. Because the Bulls can't compete with even the Pacers, guys. The Pacers and the Cavs are going to be there. Toronto's still good. Detroit's coming on. There are so many teams in the East alone that are just going to give them fits all season. Is this what you want as a Bulls fan? Do you like being in the playoff picture every year, but you know you can't win the title? That's mediocrity, guys. And at at some point, this front office needs to, one, go. But I don't see them leaving anytime soon. But to make a decision on where they want this franchise to go. Like I said, don't have to tank. Tanking is not a realistic option for the Chicago Bulls because they can be smart. But signing Rajon Rondo, an old aging point guard who, yeah, he has some skill, just doesn't fit. And then you add Dwayne Wade, who will turn 35 years old 
in January who has a history of injuries to this piece, and it just doesn't fit. I think one benefit, though, from the Dwayne Wade signing is he will help establish some credibility within the locker room. Maybe Rajon Rondo isn't as crazy as he usually is when he has control of a locker room because it is Jimmy Butler's locker room, Taj Gibson's locker room, and Dwayne Wade obviously is going to be an enforcement there. I also want to mention that he's going to help Fred Hoiberg. Absolutely. He has played a part of the development of every single head coach that he played for. It's I think this is a an important part of Hoiberg's development because you're going to stick with him. You have to at this point. You have to. But my as I wrap this this Bulls conversation up, my biggest problem is that he didn't and I'm talking about Gar Foreman, he didn't put Hoiberg in a in a position to succeed with the roster that he has. This is a time for the Bulls to move on. Not sit in and reinforce the idea that they're always a playoff team, which isn't a lie, but is that is that a great selling point? And I know Dwayne Wade will have some pull next year in the overwhelming amount of top free agents that will be available. So, guys, uh, man, I just don't I don't like it. I don't like the moves to sign Rondo. I love the Derrick Rose trade, and I was also in the camp of moving Jimmy Butler for a guy like Chris Dunn because that immediately puts you in a better position long-term than where they're at right now. So the thinking that Garpacks have had over the last six or seven years, or so, I just can't get it. What have they done? Their top free agent signings, what? And top, top trades, Larry Hughes, John Salmons, Brad Miller, Carlos Boozer, Algasol. Come on. It's, it's time to pick a lane. Don't half-ass a retool, if you want to call it a retool, Mr. P- Mr. Foreman. Figure it out. Get better for the long term. That's how this, this, this organization can create sustained success. But signing an old Dwayne Wade and signing a cancer in Rajon Rondo isn't the path to do it. Sorry if I offended you Bulls fans, but I just I, I was sick to my stomach when I found out that this is the path that they chose to go. Because they, 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 they're not getting younger or athletic. They're not. In the end, I'm sure the Bulls will, will make the playoffs and maybe escape the first round, but that'll be it. So I'll be sure to bitch about the Bulls some more once that kind of comes up again. But thank you all for listening to this segment of Behind the Pen. I, I hope that I had my opinion out there, and I hope that you guys can understand where I'm coming from. But... Boy, this is going to be some... The Bulls are going to be interesting, for sure. They're going to be fun to watch. And it'll be great for the media, because there are going to be tons of stories. But overall, as a basketball fan I and the Chicago Bulls fan, I just I don't understand the direction. I really don't. And I'm kind of sick of this. I've been sick of this. One final thing I'd like to mention, and then I'll cut the Bulls' talk, and that'll be the end of it for today. Sign Kirk Heinrich. He's out there. You can get him for a veteran's minimum. Yeah, I might as well. You're signing a guy like Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade. Why not? You cut Dinwiddie, who was bad anyway. You got, well, who do you have in your guard position? Jerry and Grant, Butler, Wade, Rondo? Yeah, but Heinrich, bring him. Do it. He's still available. All right, moving on to my next topic. And if you guys are on SoundCloud, thank you for continuing to listen to me blabber about stuff. And if you're on YouTube, welcome in. We're going to talk some MLB here. Specifically, I'm going to start with the New York Yankees upon request. And 
I wanted to talk about the Yankees for multiple reasons. But, you know, I'm a Cub fan, and the Chicago Cubs and the New York Yankees were involved in a trade this offseason that sent Adam Warren over to the Cubs in exchange for Stalin Castro. And I brought that up because what the Yankees have going for them, and I'm going to talk about some positive things for the Yankees because it hasn't really been positive overall. Five games back of the wild card, they're still in it. Still in the playoff race, but they're going to have to make some decisions here soon on whether or not they want to go for a wild card spot because the AL is up for grabs. But in my opinion, I I think it'd be better to kind of move forward with this roster because there's a lot of old people here. But I brought up Starlin Castro because that middle infield right now, the New York Yankees, it's pretty good. And Didi Gregorius is coming up, and he's very impressive at shortstop. Got Also got him in a trade. He and Castro are two productive players up the middle in the infield. Castro, I believe, is a better defender at second base. And Didi Gregorius is improving each and every day at the plate and defensively. Now, on the corners... Chase Headley is, well, you're going to take what you can get with Chase Headley. Uh, Mark, Mark Deshera, he's got some stuff left in him at first base, Mark Teixeira. He can still hit, went healthy. Obviously, he's going to be injured more than almost half the time. So, But I, that's frustrating. But at this point with the Yankees, there's a lot of old expiring contracts on their payroll, especially CeCe Sabathia I'm looking at, which is, boy, that's rough. And... You know, Teixeira, Beltran. Beltran's an all-star. Beltran is absolutely killing it. Jacoby Ellsbury's been great for them. I'll say that. He's one of their most productive hitters in that lineup. Plays a great center field. They also got a young Aaron Hicks over there in, patrolling the outfield as well. But, guys, you know, Brett Gardner, he's declining. Hasn't been good. With this Yankees team, are they a playoff team? Ah, man, I got to say no right now. Now, this is why they have hope of getting better soon. Of course, they're the New York Yankees. 27 world championships, the most in any professional sports by a long shot. They're insane. They're so good all the time. And you know what? Also, I have to mention, 1994 to like 2006, they were just division leader after division leader, winner after winner after winner. It was just always New York Yankees. They dominated that era. And they even... They even played well enough to win another World Series pretty recently. So this New York Yankees squad kind of, you know, a little bit removed from their last championship. But it's been a struggle. Other teams are starting to come on, like the Baltimore Orioles and the Toronto Blue Jays. It's tough for them in the division. So they got to rely on that wild card. But you you guys, you're looking up at four other teams. It's going to be tough. Or three other teams. It's going to be very hard for the Yankees to even come close to a wild card spot, so I think they have to make a decision. They have Aroldis Chapman, Andrew Miller, Dylan Patantis. Those guys are deadly, but you need to be in a position to use them effectively. Their lineup isn't isn't putting it together enough for them to be competitive, and their rotation, their rotation is very sketchy. It's kind of upsetting when you look at what you were hoping for from Michael Pineda. Michael Pineda is not doing well at all. I mean, his la- his re- you know, he started putting together his last six starts, I believe it's been pretty solid, but overall, it's just I don't know what's going on with this guy. Michael Pineda, he's having trouble getting guys out with two outs. I don't know what it is with this this man. He just can't do it. So their their rotation's very sketchy to say the least. They're relying a lot on Masahiro Tanaka. 
a guy who's already had plenty of arm issues in the past. They're getting some solid production from their guys who are recognizable names. Like I said, Carlos Beltran, Jacoby Ellsbury, Mark Teixeira, Didi Gregorius, as I mentioned earlier, Starlin Castro. Starlin Castro's having a very good year, but look at Alex Rodriguez. Now, I know this year's been a struggle, but last year, A-Rod was putting together some pretty impressive numbers. I mean, look at that OPS. As a, as a 39-year-old, 850 OPS, something like that. It's impressive. It's very impressive. And he also has a chance for 700 home runs. He's very close. And I'd like to get your opinion, Yankees fans, on just your overall opinion on Alex Rodriguez because this guy has had such a storied career. It's just it's fascinating to me. Like When he came up with Seattle, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. Then he gets moved to Texas. And again, he's he is the best hitter in baseball. Look at his numbers in 2001, 2002, and 2003. He led the league in runs in two of those three years. He led the league in home runs all three of those years. He led the league in RBIs in 2002. It's just incredible. This guy was such a top talent. And honestly, a lot of it, the pressures of being that publicized as a Major League Baseball player, that had to take a lot of toll on him. Now, I don't want to shift this conversation over A-Rod. I just want to give it out to you guys. Is A-Rod a Hall of Famer? Because he's inching closer to 700 homers. It's just the numbers that he was able to put out throughout his career, it's admirable, extremely admirable. And I I appreciate A-Rod. And I know a lot of people have opinions on this man, but... He, he he worked hard to come back, and, and he's 40 years old. As simple as I could put it. It's pretty crazy. But overall, I want to talk just the future of the New York Yankees. What are they going to do? Are they going to move their big arms in Andrew Miller or Orolis Chapman? Maybe both. Because those guys can pull some significant value. What they're able to bring to a ball club, I don't know who is the better fit. I would go... Andrew Miller, personally, but he would have to give up more because he's got more years of control under his belt. Rollis Chapman had that domestic violence thing kind of hover over him, so teams may be reluctant. Because you know what happens with this whole... It's bad, guys. It's not good when when you're involved in some situations like that. Look at Jose Reyes. Now, Jose Reyes is a different conversation that I will say for another time. But you got to be careful with these kinds of athletes because of the baggage they have that comes with it. Rose Chapman could throw the hardest. He does throw the hardest in baseball. He could be one of the best relievers in baseball, but is he worth it? You're going to have to give up some stuff for them. And I and, and what the Yankees can get in return, I think he's probably their most tradable piece. I think you can hang on to Andrew Miller because Andrew Miller might help your team over the next two seasons, not including this year, if... They make some splashes in free agency, and I think that's what the Yankees are waiting for. They're going to have a unique opportunity to spend money, which they do a lot, because Carlos Beltran's coming off the books, Mark Teixeira's coming off the books, CeCe Sabathia's coming off the books. They have to make decisions on Pineda and Nova. They could come off the books, and they're going to they're going to be lacking in starting pitching. If they want to get a starting pitcher, they might have to make a trade, because the free agency class in pitchers... Very limited, unless you want a guy like Jeremy Hellickson. I mean, more power to you, but he doesn't help your team. You know, he's just a replacement-level pitcher for the most part. Having a decent season this year, but he's the highlight of the free agency class in pitchers. So what are the Yankees What are the Yankees' approach going into next year? They're drafting okay. 
this is an opportunity to make smart offseason signings and really invest tons of money into top players. So we'll look forward to that. It depends. It's, it'll be interesting. I'm sure I'll talk about the Yankees soon because I'm sure they're going to be involved in some trade talks come the deadline or maybe even sooner. All-star break's coming up. Stuff starts happening in Major League Baseball around this time. So just stay tuned, all right? Because this was just a little short synopsis of what I see of the Yankees so far this season. Do I think they're a playoff team? No. Are they in a unique, unique situation to get better? Yes, very much so. They have talent that they can move for value, and they're going to have a lot of money coming off the books going into next year's offseason where they can invest. They have to be smart about it. But the Yankees can be relevant once again very soon. So, from one American League team to another, I'm going to go right over to the Detroit Tigers because somebody asked me to talk about the Tigers, and I'd love to talk about the Tigers. The Detroit Tigers, part of the American League Central, are very much in the race in the playoffs. And why are they in the race, in the playoff race? It is their lineup, guys. The Detroit Tigers have one of the most dangerous lineups. Their one through seven is is you can't take a batter off, right? Ian Kinsler is an all-star. You know, Justin Upton, he was a good signing. He's a productive player. Camber Mabron having a fantastic year, arguably a career season. Miguel Cabrera, top three hitter in baseball still. Arguably still the best hitter in baseball. I mean, he's aging, but he's still got it. And I think one of the most important developments that we've seen with the Detroit Tigers this season is Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos, and I bring him up because, one, he's one of the most productive players on the team, but my baseball genius decided to drop Castellanos in my fantasy team a week into the season. Now, I know you care very much so, but I just had to put that out there, so rip me for that because I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have done that. I should have kept him. But overall, guys, the Detroit Tigers, they're very much in it. And uh, I, I say that because, well... The American League's all over the place. I got done talking about the Yankee segment. If you guys are listening on YouTube, thank you very much. Make sure to subscribe to us on Most Available Podcast. SoundCloud, thanks for sticking around because you guys are great. So I look at this wildcard situation. Detroit's a game and a half out. They're playing some good baseball lately. And they weathered the storm in Cleveland. It was almost impossible to beat Cleveland for a while until they just bashed 12 runs on their asses, which was pretty had to be satisfying for that team. But the Cleveland Indians are the team to beat in that division right now. Is it impossible for one of these four contenders to win this division? And I, I say Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, and Kansas City. I think Kansas City, they'll be a player, but I don't really take them seriously. I said this before on another podcast. The amount of injuries they've had and the inconsistencies in their rotation have just kind of hurt them. With Detroit... I think I think they have enough. They need to get healthy, and the person they really need to get healthy is Jordan Zimmerman. And I know they invested a lot of money in a lot of guys. Upton, Zimmerman, just two examples. But I think it's paying off for them if they if they're a team that says, "Oh, we got to go for it." We get this is our one. I feel like this is the one last chance, this opportunity, this period of time, maybe the next this season over the next two. This is where they have to go in and try and try and win. They have a very, very talented shortstop in Jose Iglesias that I thought was a brilliant, brilliant move when they were able to acquire him from Boston that involved Avi Garcia, for all you White Sox fans out there. 
that this lineup is good enough to carry them throughout the season as long as their pitchers just give them a chance to win. And I know that's a lot to ask for because when you're throwing Mike Pelfrey out there, it's sometimes it's 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 rough. But their rotation, when I look at their rotation, obviously, like I said, Zimmerman has to be healthy, but the production they're getting out of Michael Fulmer, 23-year-old starting pitcher, is beyond their expectations right now. It's 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 fantastic what he's doing. He's keeping him in ball games. His last seven games, 0-6-3 ERA in 42 and two-thirds innings, only three three earned runs given up, a whip of 0.87. That is that is production, man. That is lockdown. You know when this guy's on the mound, we're going to win this game. And it's been that way for Mr. Fulmer. That's something good. And guys, we have to understand, Justin Verlander isn't going to be the Justin Verlander we know and love throwing 99 miles an hour in that All-Star game. He's come back to earth a little bit. And he he's not getting the... Well, he's I shouldn't say he's not getting the amount of strikeouts because he's still striking out over one per inning. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you see the regression. You see guys squaring him up more often than we're used to in the in terms of Justin Verlander, but he's getting older. 33 years old. He had a very productive career for the Detroit Tigers. For them to give him that contract, I don't I can't argue with that at all. So it's it's totally fine. But Jordan Zimmerman's huge. Gotta get him healthy. He'll be fine. He's gotta get him healthy. They gotta figure out what they want to do in the rotation. Another thing that kind of bothers me is their bullpen and Detroit Tiger fans, I know you're sick of hearing people talk about their bullpen because I'm sick of it too. But it's just an overwhelming gray cloud hovering over this franchise for so long. They can't hold a lead. It's so frustrating. K-Rod, solid. Solid. I won't go any further than solid because he sometimes is a little erratic and kind of gives you a heart attack. What will carry, and I will keep saying this, what will carry this team in the American League is their lineup. And I don't think any team wants to face them in the second half because of the production that they're getting from Miggy. He has to stay healthy. But it's it's tough. As he's getting older, he's he's feeling he's always dealing with something in his back and his hips. It's it's kind of hard to watch sometimes. But like I said, this Detroit Tigers team is very interesting. I kind of wrote him off in May, and I'm regretting that because this team definitely has enough. Am I am I taking them seriously? Not necessarily yet. But I'm sure they're going to be in the conversation all the way through August. Because this this lineup can rake. Absolutely rake. And Castellanos. Let's talk about Nick Castellanos a little bit. First round draft pick, 44 overall, 24 years old. And it's been a little bit of a struggle coming up. And I know a lot of people, a lot of Tigers fans are a little frustrated with his production his first three years in the, in the league, but you saw it there, right, right? Like his OBP numbers, maybe you'd like him to be a little bit better, but he's still slugging the ball pretty well. He had 30 doubles in 2014 and 2015. Now in 2016, you see it all together. He's slashing 307, 346, 540, 886 OPS right now. He already out-homered himself over the last two seasons. He has 16, and he's 20 R- or 23 RBI away from his career high. And it's July 7th. This man is coming together. And Tigers fans have a lot to be excited about because he's young, cost-controlled for a little while, especially since he was a draft pick. This is a player that can very much be excited about. And as I wrap this, 
Detroit Tigers conversation up. I just have to mention that if this doesn't work out, where and I mean like they, they're not making the playoffs these next couple seasons, I'm afraid that the Detroit Tigers might turn into the Philadelphia Phillies. And it might be a little painful for a bit. I know the Phillies are okay this year. Okay. I mean, they're not as good as they were in the first half, but I'm just afraid, especially with all these expiring contracts and all the money left on the books from their starting pitchers that they invested in, as well as their hitters, obviously. So, Tigers fans, I'm I'm holding out hope for you. I'm just looking at this AL Central, though, and as much as the Indians played well, I don't know if they can sustain that type of success because they're always a wild card. They have two all-star pitchers, which I will get to in a little bit in terms of the all-star game because I'm excited to talk about that. But with the Indians, is their offense going to be capable of producing like they they have been, especially during their crazy streak of wins in a row? The Detroit Tigers lineup I will consistently rely on, and they will consistently produce. And that's a dangerous thing in the American League. Overall, Detroit Tigers... Are they a playoff team? Boy, howdy. They're a contender for a wild card. And even, hell, I'll give them contention in the division. Why not? But are they going to make the playoffs this year? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say two wild card spots go elsewhere. In the uh, One of them could come from the AL Central. But I don't think it'll be the Tigers. So I, I'm sorry, Detroit fans. And I'm interested because the trade deadline, it's going to be very active this season. Maybe they go out and try and sign a pitcher. If they sign a pitcher, maybe they, I don't know if they want to go after Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is kind of, mm, this year. I don't know who's on their radar, but if they make some savvy move for a starter, man, they're right back into the conversation. They have to be. Because they put themselves in a decent spot after kind of hovering around 500 all season in the first half. Going into the All-Star break, they're right in it. And if I'm a Tigers fan, I'm, I should, I would be excited. They got to get healthy. They got to rely on their offense. Make a move or two by the deadline. Hell, anything can happen. Baseball's crazy, guys. So, hope you enjoyed this Tigers talk. If you didn't, or if you did, that's great. I hope you do. Leave comments in the section below if you want to. Tell me how dumb I am. That's okay. You won't hurt my feelings. Well, maybe a little bit. All right, boy, we are moving right along here. We talked Bulls today, Dwayne Wade, and their incompetence once again. I talked New York Yankees. I talked Detroit Tigers. Now I'm going to move on to the MLB All-Star Game, and I'm just going to throw some quick thoughts on there. I don't really want to get too in-depth about it. But really the main conversation is, well, the All-Star Game means something now in the MLB, and what the commissioner wants to do is keep it relevant. This is really the only All-Star Game in professional sports that kind of has implications to the biggest prize of them all because they want the All-Star game to be more competitive. I mean, you look at the Pro Bowl, that's a complete joke. I think they should just eliminate that. Just send them to Hawaii, give them a vacation, and let them get paid for it. That's all. That's pretty much what it is anyway. And in the NBA All-Star game, they're combining for like almost 400 points. Like one team almost scored 200 this year. So what? is going on there. But the MLB, I don't know your thoughts on it, your opinion, me. I think it's an interesting angle to have the All-Star game mean something, home field advantage for the winner, the division winner in the World Series. But then that means there's implications to this. Now, the current system is you vote for players. 
to start the All-Star game. And I'll get to who's starting in a minute because my Chicago Cubs are nicely represented. And so does this influence? Yes, absolutely it has an influence to it because really the fan vote is just depends on the market, but it's kind of, I hate it when people call it a popularity contest because that's such a simple, vague rationale for it. But it's 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 kind of true. You look at what the Royals fan base did last season and now what the Chicago Cubs fan base are doing this year. Now, I can make an argument for every starter. And I think that for the most part, the fans nailed it. But if the game means so much, shouldn't you give the manager more power? And I know they want to keep the fans involved, and you can't really take that away from this whole process. But if I'm the manager, I'm Terry Collins and Ned Yost, I want the best players on my team who I think will win this very meaningful game, straight up. Now, does that consist of all nine Royals or all nine Mets? Hey, if you think that'll help you win, then do it. But... That it just totally takes away from the fan experience and people are going to be outraged be like, oh, what the hell is this? I get it. But at the same time, you have to look at that dynamic because this has so much meaning to the end game of the entire season. What teams are trying to work for. You have bottom feeders having representation in the All-Star game. Now, the Chicago Cubs, when they were the worst team in baseball in 2012 and 2013, they still, well, it was 2012, they still had an opportunity to represent players. And... Does that put you in the best situation to win if you're the manager of the AL or NL? I don't know. Right? Do I want guys from the Cincinnati Reds? I know they have Jay Bruce, Joey Votto, okay? You know what I'm getting at. The All-Star game is so important, and you want to have the right guys in the right spots. Now I'm going to move on to the rosters now because this is an interesting conversation. I want to make one thing clear. I think the American League is just going to run away with this game. If you look at their lineup, and I think this goes to the fan vote, and I give them credit because they pretty much nailed every single one. Sal Perez, Eric Hosmer, Jose Altuve, Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, Mike Trout, Jackie Bradley Jr., Mookie Betts, and David Ortiz. That's your starting lineup for the AL. Hell yeah, David Ortiz, by the way, for having a career season when you announce that you want to retire. This guy is the MVP of the of the league right now. He is doing absolutely amazing things. Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley Jr., two young, impressive outfielders who have a lot of pop. If you look at the American League, young players are taking over. Trout, Machado, and it seems like Trout's been in the league for years. But he's still young, and, and Manny Machado too. I love where the MLB is going, and I love the amount of talent that's coming up and that they're ready to play at such a young age and produce Also, I look at the reserves, and I have to mention one name because, well, a couple. Because one of them wasn't even in contention for the starting spot in terms of position. Francisco Lindor was named an AL reserve, and he is so well-deserving. I will say it time and time again, I think he's the best shortstop in baseball. That's just my opinion. Xander Bogarts is coming on immensely. This guy has really taken steps forward. He's honestly... In the conversation as well. But I would take Lindor. But that's okay. I'm not complaining. I think they got it right. Mark Trumbull. He's unbelievable. What a signing by the Baltimore Orioles. He is leading the league in uh, home runs. And he is an all-star. I think the American League this season is very tough. They have 
really impressive starters and really dominant relievers like Zach Britton, Alex Coloma of the Rays as well, Calvin Herrera of the Royals, Craig Kimball, Andrew Miller. These man, who's going to start? Who's going to start in the uh, in the All Star game for the AL? Is it going to be Danny Salazar? Is it going to be Cole Hamels? Ha! I'm going to guess it's it's Chris Sale. You could say Stephen Wright, but imagine this: Chris Sale comes out, throws 98 for maybe an inning or two. If it's a clean inning, I would keep him in for a second. But if not, take him out. Because if you're the White Sox, that's all you want from him, right? Yeah, it's great to start, but come on. yeah, We got realistic expectations here with our team. And then you bring in Stephen Wright, who's throwing all these knuckleballs and the catcher can't catch him. That would be that would be interesting. I think that would give the NL fits. I think the fans did very well. in the. I, can't, I don't really have much gripe in the American League. But on the NL side, there are some names that are kind of repetitive, and you probably heard enough of them. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, Ben Zobris, Addison Russell, and Chris Bryant make up the NL starting infield with Buster Posey catching. Now, this is up for debate. Maybe does Ben Zobris deserve to start at second base? Probably not because Daniel Murphy is having a fantastic season. He's technically putting up better numbers offensively than Zobris, but at the same time, hey, fans have a voice, and Zobris was absolutely phenomenal in the first half. Kind of came down to earth a little bit. He's still producing for the Chicago Cubs. One of the main producers, and he will be for the rest of the season. But the the, the start he went on, very deserving. Addison Russell. This is an interesting conversation as well. Because is Corey Seager the best shortstop in the American League, and in the National League, I'm sorry? I would probably say yes. Corey Seager, another young player coming on and producing like like it's his job. Like it's nothing. Is, an, uh, is a reserve behind Russell, but... Addison Russell, I can make an argument. He does things to the point where he's he is an all-star. I can't take that away from him. Addison Russell is absolutely an all-star. He does a lot of good things for your team. Maybe he shouldn't be the NL starter, but the Cubs fans are out in full force this year. So I can't complain, especially since I'm a Cub fan. Chris Bryant, absolutely. You start that man at third base. Absolutely. You could say Nolan Arenado is the best third baseman in the game, and I would tend to agree with you. I would absolutely agree with you. But... Hell yeah. Look at Chris Bryant, what he's doing. He is, he is one of the most productive players in this lineup. I would say he's 1A. And then Rizzo 1B, Zobras 1C. So, no gripes there. Dexter Fowler starting in the outfield. He's the last starter for the Cubs. Cubs set f- seven. Seven All-Stars this season, including Lester Arrieta. Dexter Fowler's hurt. I'm sure he'll be replaced with somebody. So, look out for that. But overall, the American League right now, I think they're, they're just going to win again. Guys, like, come on. National League, let's go. Win some freaking All-Star games. I'm getting sick of this. The American League is dominating over the last decade. It's kind of getting tiresome. Their pitching staff the American, in, in terms of uh, the National League, I like. Very much so. Especially since Arianna and Lester are involved. I'm getting a little too Cubs happy. I'm sorry. I apologize for all those listening. I look at a guy like Will Myers, Carlos Gonzalez, congratulations, Odubel Herrera. I think he's come a long way. Marcelo Zuna as well. And Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall is going to participate, by the way, in the Home Run Derby contest. And I'll end the conversation with the Home Run Derby because it's kind of interesting as well. But who's going to start for the NL? Is it going to be Arietta, Bumgarner, Cueto, Fernandez, Syndergaard? Syndergaard's got bone chips in his elbow. That's not good at all. I'd probably guess it'd be Bumgarner. Overall, I don't really have much to gripe about. The only thing is, 
if you're going to make the game mean as much as it does, I think you have to give more control to the manager and who he wants on his team to win it for his league. To put that much precedent on the game or the All-Star game, oh, it'll make them try harder. True. Very true. I mean, look, there are flaws at the same time. All-Star game, this is the most interesting All-Star game in professional sports, period. (laughs) The NHL was pretty cool. But it doesn't have the same meaning as the Midsummer Classic. Come on now. But let's move on to the Home Run Derby. The Home Run Derby is pretty cool this year. Uh, last year they had that new tournament style standings. They didn't want to take up all your time. They put them on a clock. Chris Bourbon's choking on his own spit. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me. And so you got guys like Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall is going to be in the Home Run Derby, guys. But who else is going to be participating besides Adam Duvall? Because I know Adam Duvall is going to steal the show. But you got Todd Frazier, the reigning home run derby champ for the Chicago White Sox. Carlos Gonzalez, Will Myers, Corey Seager, Jim Carlos Stanton, who finally, finally is putting it together for the Miami Marlins. Mark Trumbull, the home run leader, and Robbie Cano. Don't you know, Robbie Cano, he's also having a fantastic season. So this is this should be a pretty entertaining home run derby with the new format. I think it's a little bit more tolerable than it was in years past because it's not the same. We're not going to see Josh Hamilton belt twenty something homers in a single round. It's not going to happen anymore. But I, it's cool. I know there were talks about Maddie Bumgarner wanting to do it, and as the Giants, I would say hell no. I mean, it would be a great show having a pitchers only home run derby. That would kind of be interesting, and I'm sure Bumgarner would win it. For major league hitters, people talk about how it influences their swing in the second half. It had a lot of influence on Bobby Abreu, I remember, and that's just one example. But for a pitcher, that's a totally different conversation. You don't want your starter to, you know, tear an oblique. Oh my gosh, get injured. That's the whole thing. You don't want to see your guy get injured. Maybe we eventually see a pitcher's home run derby sometime in the future, but right now, I think we just got to live with it. Adam Duvall, baby, he's my pick. He's my pick to win it all. Absolutely. Going Duval till I die, I guess. But all right, so that was a fun-filled show, guys. I hope you enjoyed. I know I was kind of down on the Bulls, and all you Bulls fans probably pissed off at me. That's okay. I understand. But it's just my opinion, and I had a lot of opinions today. I hope you guys stay tuned behind the pen because we're, we're doing some great stuff here at MVP. You can go to mostvaluablepodcast.com. Check out my article that I wrote about Dwayne Wade and the Chicago Bulls. If you want it in writing, it'll be there, so check it out. Also, check out all the content that we have for you on Most Valuable Podcast. Go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, Most Valuable Podcast, become a patron if you could. Please do. It'll be in the description below. Donate a dollar or two. We will get so much better for you, specifically you, patrons. We love you. We appreciate all the time. We value your time. We hope to entertain you, and I hope... This show behind the pen was entertaining. I'm Rankin, 906 on Twitter. You can follow us at Most Variable Pod. But until next week, we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.